This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I tackle one issue oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationships to it. Today's topic is shopping. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. It is another No Joke Podcast. I'm thrilled. I, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And this is the 10th episode. Is it really? We are officially a double-digit podcast. Num- number X. That yes. was like in the WrestleMania style. Oh, remember that? Yeah, man. What? When was that? Like 2000, early 2000s, when there was something called Triple X, where when you would get hyped, you'd throw an X over your crotch? Oh, well, yeah, okay. So that was D-Generation X, okay. was the sort of WWF unit of Rapscallions, including Triple H, Hunter H. Helmsley, uh, wow. and some of the other cheeseball wrestlers. And they were like the rogue bad boys of the WWF. And they definitely started that completely inane trend of spiking the x over your crotch <laughs> people did that people still do maybe yeah that was such a thing how did you know those wrestlers names i've known you for 12 years and i've never heard you yes speak with such specificity <laughs> on professional wrestling i went through two pretty significant pro wrestling fandom phases in my life the first was as a child of the 80s was hulk hogan randy savage ultimate warrior the bushwhackers coco beware that sort of late 80s coco early... beware with the parrot on the shoulder exactly right a lot of color Yep, the Nasty Boys. They were mm-hmm. some uh, one of my the favorite Bushwhackers. Bushwhackers. Yep, they were from Australia. Legion they, of Doom. Exactly. Okay. So like that was the first wave. Uh, Ric Flair. Still, still WWF. It was at WWF the time. at that time. It had yes. not been sued by the World Wildlife Federation just yet. Pandas versus wrestlers. Pandas win. <laughs> pandas. Pandas defeat wrestlers. Wow. <laughs> That's a great win for pandas, by the way. Yeah. Just culturally. All they eat is eucalyptus and Hulk Hogan. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was my first wrestling fandom phase. And then when, I mean, I don't know if you ever got caught up in the Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and that is when sort of D-Generation X crept back into the That was another opportunity. That seemed like another opportunity for casual sports fans to kind of be swept into the wrestling world again. Exactly. I pass. Yeah. I don't know why I pass. Yeah. But... Yeah, Steve Austin, it just seemed a little like I'd already been there, done that. Yep. Excited for the kids who this is their first round of wrestling. (laughs) But you got sucked back in. To what degree did you get sucked back in? I was like watching Monday Night Raw with my brother and like talking about it at school the next day. Really? With vigor. Yeah. With vigor. I was into it, man. I'm like, it It really, why Why do you think it came back with, why do you think it experienced such a, I mean, it probably was always popular, maybe in between those two gaps. Right. I mean, it was like star power a little bit, The Rock, really. I mean, like, if you think about the scope of pro wrestling, it's hard. I mean, you could really make a strong case that The Rock has transcended wrestling the most and has sort of reached the pop culture sphere uh, more profoundly than almost any other wrestler. He did a movie called The Tooth Fairy? (laughs) Yeah, he did. (laughs) Yeah, He was so The Rock for so long that we said... Let's. What's the opposite of the rock? <laughs> when people ask what's the opposite of this thing, that means that we know you so well. You have covered all bases. Exactly. The rock was everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I believe it was you that I think it was you that said one of the funniest things I've ever heard once. Where oh. because now you know he sort of very coyly and deftly made the transition from the rock to Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson, Johnson. <laughs> his actual name. Some and the sort of middle ground was of course Dwayne the, the Rock. rock. 
Johnson, but I believe it was you or someone hilarious that said that now he is basically Dwayne Johnson. So now if he ever goes back to The Rock, he'll have to be the Dwayne Johnson <gasps> Rock. Oh. <laughs> it's almost like his <laughs> the oh. Dwayne Johnson Rock. I don't know if I said that, but I did say that if you or I have a child yep. and we name that child Rock, that will then make The Rock just a rock. <laughs> There's a new rock in town. There's just simply two. When it was just you, you were The Rock. But I just had another The Rock, making you, Dwayne Johnson, a rock. Oh, my God. A rock is not a professional wrestler. The Rock is one of the greatest professional wrestlers we've ever had with the people's elbow and the people's this and that. A Rock. Uh, I don't know what A Rock is up to. Yeah. A Rock. That just completely changes how you see that. It's, I, it's like firemen. Yes. You call them a fireman, you know, or a policeman. Yes. But if we took away the uh, yep. he would be fireman. Fireman. There goes fireman. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're... And suddenly, it's completely changed. You're a six-year-old just learning language. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you never got into wrestling. You were never like... <clears throat> when we were talking about the Bushwhackers, Legion yeah. of Doom, Undertaker, Paul Bearer, yep. Virgil, yep. Million Dollar Man, yep. Jake the Snake. Yep. Yes. But the other guys, when they started dropping X's over their crotches... Yep. Bill wasn't around for that. This sort of bleeds into what the topic that we're going to talk about today, actually, um, which is shopping. Shopping. (laughs) Something that is relatively alien to Billy and I, which is why one of the reasons I think Bobby wanted to kind of tackle it. But when I was a kid, one, the thing that I was buying most, and this is true, and the only thing that I was saving up my money for, my... Can I guess and hope? Yes. Wrestling figurines. You got it, brother. Yes, me too. (laughs) You got it, my brother. too. Yeah. And we... uh, Exactly. Did you have the ring? Of course, dude. Did, did the ring have strings that looked elastic, but they weren't bouncing any wrestlers very far at all? You know that. Great. And it was amazing. And that was like, I mean, that was the only thing I was really shopping for. Right. And starting lineups. It was like figurines, basically. Huh. Pro athlete figurines and pro wrestler figurines. Let's talk about figurines for a second. Yes. Figurines, um, and I'll include the G.I. Joes of the world. Cool. <laughs> what makes them so fun? Because yeah. they really only bent... They were very limited. Let's yes. just say they're very limited. Yeah, Your imagination, it required a lot of imagination. Yep, yep. Are figurines still as popular with kids today as they once were? I really hope so. I I guess I don't know. Duncan, my our six-year-old nephew Duncan, definitely has action figures. I mean, he's in more of like a, a car, matchbox car slash Lego zone yes. phase of it. He does have still akin though to the Silicon, figurine. Silicon. Building worlds, creating places, right? And, and those have even less motion. I mean, you can't bend uh, those don't really bend at all. Right. There's no sort of kinetic sort of exploration right. out there. But it just evokes the imagination. Yeah. What a toy. Yeah, what a toy. Now there are people who take starting lineups, and if you've never heard of starting lineups, they are basically small figurines of actual athletes. Yes. And they were collectible. Yep. Some people would just leave them in the case. Yeah. Some kids would leave them in the case for kind of the purity of maybe reselling it when you're 55. No way to live your childhood. No way to live your childhood. If you're into that kind of thing and, like, you want to be an adult and, like, go to a card show and, like, buy, like, that Don Mattingly Yankee starting lineup from 1991 because it's nostalgic for you and you want to give it to your grandkid. Right. A, weird. Yes. And B, cool <laughs> to do it as an adult. Uh-huh. But, like, if you're a kid, if you're a child – and you're leaving your toys in their packaging for when you're 60, right. something's amiss. Your couches are covered in plastic. <laughs> in plastic. Yeah. Something's going on. Right. All of a sudden, like, your parents are, bu- are like, you're buying starting lineups, like, living vicariously, like, for your parents or yes. something. It's weird. 
I was roughing them up. I was scratching them. The yeah. legs would fall off. The right. shoes would fall. I would take the Yankee hat off Mattingly and put it on, you know, Joe Carter. Make a the... parachute out of a tissue and throw it off a tree. Isn't that the idea? I think that is the idea. But I never really did G.I. Joe. See, I was never G.I. Joe. I never, like, went down that path. Were yes. you G.I. Joe? I didn't play Army. No. I would play I would, would play with wrestling figurines. Yes. Um, the closest I got to sort of combat non-sports-related figurines were I messed with the X-Men. I messed oh, with the X-Men franchise, definitely. Okay. I had a Storm doll. I had a Gambit do- doll. So, Sorry. Uh-huh. Figurine. Right. <laughs> not a doll. No. Yeah. <laughs> to all of those listening at home who not are offended by that. Not definitely a do- not a doll. Totally badass, totally masculine figurine. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the same time that we, I was buying these wrestling figurines, um, and I only bring this up because it's episode number 10, and the number 10 is relevant in this story. Cool. Um, I've told you this before, but when I was buying wrestling figurines, my family went on a trip to Epcot. Okay. (laughs) And if you don't know what Epcot is, it's this place in Florida that almost like every, I don't know, quarter mile is a new country. Yes. Or a new time and place. Yes. And so you're constantly being transported all over the world. Now you're in France and now you're in Belgium. So my family was in Italy at the time. Yes. Air quotes, Italy. Italy within central Florida. Italy. So... It happens to be the World Cup Finals. 1994. And it comes down, it's Italy's in the finals, and it comes down to the world's best soccer player taking a penalty kick to win the World Cup. Roberto Baggio? Roberto Baggio, number 10. Yes, yes. Okay. So now my family, who has mild interest in this game, is in an, air quotes, (laughs) Italian sports bar (laughs) where other people from Florida and places around the country are watching this game. Right. Baggio takes the kick to win the World Cup, and it goes over the crossbar. Oh, brutal. Italy loses. Oh, God. Now, the worst place to be at that time is in the real Italy. Actual Italy. The funniest place to be <laughs> is in Epcot's Italy. Fake Italy. Because word got out immediately from the top to all of the Italy employees. <laughs> from the top. Act crushed. We, in air quotes, just lost the World Cup. So now my family leaves the sports bar to go back into Epcot, go to Belgium, go to France. But before we do, we're seeing like nine-year-old and 15-year-old kids named Josh who have to pretend to be Italian. Italian citizens. Crushed. Oh, my God. And it was as if people stole mama's pizza. It was... So funny. I would just – just the fact that you're like it came from the top. I just love to imagine like that staff meeting where like they wrangled up all the like Epcot Italy employees and were like, okay, look, I don't know if you guys care, but like there's soccer and that exists and like we lost. So like get into it. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that all of the Epcot employees have like a little kind of like a transmitter on their <laughs> hip. And there's three different colors that says our general mood is overly excited, ushering people into the parade. Exactly. Baggio Mr. Freak. Devastated by World Cup. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. That, so, and you were probably, I know, because, I mean, your mom is sports fan-ish. I know that it's your mom, which is like kind of why you like the Mets. Yes. That she sort of passed that lineage onto you. Yes. But your dad doesn't give a holy crap about sports. One time I asked my dad <laughs> who Brett Favre is, and he said, I think I went to Juilliard with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Quick side note story. One time, an NYU classmate of ours, Jen Merrill, I asked her if she knew who Brett Favre was, and she looked at me dead eyes, and she said, I think he works with my dad. What? <laughs> so, and believe me when I say that her dad was not a Green Bay Packer or anywhere near the NFL. Believe me when I say Brett Favre didn't go to Juilliard didn't with go my to dad. Juilliard, probably. Right. Yeah. So your dad wouldn't have cared about the. He was probably just. I just wonder what Frank's reaction to all of these crying teens were at Epcot, Italy. Did he even know that the World Cup was happening? It was hard for me to see outside of myself because yeah. I don't even know if my family recognized how absurd it was. <laughs> 
I just recognized, I could see through all of the costumes and pageantry of, yes. in quotes, Italians. <laughs> These kids lived in Jacksonville. That's Josh from Clearwater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is now distraught yeah. because he got the signal on his transmitter. Exactly. Um, the episode is about shopping. Yes. We've almost completely ignored it. Yeah. Um, what do you just say? like in real life. Exactly. <laughs> Actually. What do you think it is about you and I, or let's just, you should talk for yourself, that you are so averse to buying things right i think it's a i think it's a couple i think it's a sort of a conflation of a couple different factors one is that uh i have a very short attention span and going to a clothing store for instance to sort of try i know this sounds incredibly trite and spoiled to me but it's because i'm both trite and spoiled but it's because i i get so bored so quickly trying on pants looking in the mirror putting on a shirt taking off the shirt that you have right. it in another size the mundanity I'm, I'm like getting i'm boring myself just talking about it there is a thing called like this is not what it's called it's not Birchbox, mm. but it's something, a service. Stitch Fix. Nice. Yes, I think that's what you're talking about. Where, where you like pick out your clothes online, they mail them to you. If you don't like them, you mail them back, yeah. and they start to develop uh, what they think you would like. Right. That is not shopping. That, that is not the process. Do, are you averse to something like that? No, I mean, uh, it, it definitely does eliminate the sort of the real-life IRL boredom of going to a mall, right. parking, and uh, like 10 minutes into the parking process, I want to go. So right. it's like that, that, so it And your mom wasn't dragging you to the mall? She, she was. Oh. She was dragging, and that's oh. why I only have uh, compromised, belabored associations with going to a mall, parking, going into the Kids R Us at the time. Just give me clothes. a trip to the mall at one and a half speed. What is happening from the time you park there throughout the mall and how long are you there and when how long did you leave you're saying like as a youth when i would go with my yeah, mom yeah just kind of give me the bullet points of we're how talking the saturday afternoon the celtics are on tv i ought, i already don't want to go got it. anywhere got it you know what i mean like it's a saturday but i know i need jeans my mom knows i need jeans she's been haranguing me about it for months it's like now is finally the day that we decided on months ago that we like go get the damn jeans and you have to go get the jeans because you have the legs I can, we have to measure them on your legs there's no way to just like her to just like get them for me like right. i have to participate in this process Process and I'm like already resentful. Hop in the van, go to the mall. Exactly. The name of your mall is? Crossgate Small. Great. Albany, New York. Um, like I said, it's always on the weekend, so I'm leaving some f like fantastic, like NBA inside stuff is just starting, Mom. Amad right. Rashad is just starting to talk to me. Do we need to go now? Oh, you we do? Okay. So we hop in the van, the metaphorical van. You go to JCPenney's Macy's or are you going to a specific smaller mall store in the mall section? Marshalls, JCPenney, TJ Maxx, Kids R Us. The Mount Rushmore of jeans everywhere. Exactly. Okay. Um, department stores, I have a special uh, place of loathing in my heart for. Why? Um, the uh, There's something about the aggressive aromas. And I don't know whether it's like when you walk in, I think that the way they sort of design those department stores, they make you walk into the perfume aisle first to like get you enticed. Yes. Uh, it has the opposite effect on me. We've discussed this <laughs> once before. Yes. There's... Bed Bath & Beyond, which is not just candles, but it's also cleaning products. And beyond. Yes. <laughs> There's that other store, Yankee Candle. Yeah. That's a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's one more store. Yeah. Maybe it has the word bubble in it. Yeah. Candles and Bubble Co. <laughs> I'm with you, Adam. Yeah, dude. It's like, keep your sense to yourself. Right. Just like, and like, look. You and I have both experimented with scents. I believe you were a, a polo sport guy. Excuse me? Up. Oh, yes. Okay. Polo sport, Dracard Noir. Yeah. It's like, so it's like we're not, we're not 
averse to the notion of a eau de toilette. Yes. Uh, but uh, I just don't need all that nasal stimulation at once. It makes me feel like sick to my head and stomach and soul. I want to talk more about cologne. Okay. But first, we'll do a song. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, do you have a song that immediately comes to mind? I put you on the spot before. Oh, man, I should come prepared with the song that I would like. Quite all right. What about the Harvard Sailing Team song that we had? We'll do that in the two-hole. Oh, okay, cool. a special little treat. Very good. Sorry yes, for ruining right. that. What, what about, well, I, you know, in a previous episode, we touched on the world's largest pair of underpants in Las Vegas. Mm. And I thought that we missed a pretty ripe opportunity to play one of my favorite snake songs, which is, Do You Like Underpants? Done. The song is called Underpants. <laughs> do You Like? Do you like underpants? Do you like underpants? Do you like underpants? It's an honest question. Snake's track, Underpants, in parentheses, Do, do you, you Like, like. which is far superior to what I misnomered it as, which was Do You Like Underpants. Right. Which is like the rough draft version of that song title. The song is so weird. It is super weird. It doesn't... It sounds like it's sexy. It's not. It isn't. It, it feels like it has like a message or that we have a point of view. We don't. We don't and never will. We're just asking this weird question, Do You Like Underpants? And to whom? Not to the... <laughs> 
fictitious girl in our life. <laughs> Not even. I don't know who that's even directed at just in the first place. To the ether, just out there, just it, tossing it out there rhetorically. You and I sailed out to the center of the ocean <laughs> and just sang that song once. Like shouted out to the heavens, underpants, do you like? We sang pants that go under your pants are underpants. That's just a medical fact. Right. Yeah. And we also uh, give a shout out to Bart Simpson in that song. Yes. And because, you know, we sort of turned the phrase uh, don't have a cow mm. The and trying to loop this back into shopping, the don't have a cow Bart Simpson t-shirt was actually one of the only clothing items that I purchased and was thrilled to purchase and proud to own. What was Bart doing in the picture? Was he holding a slingshot? I think he was holding a slingshot. Really? I actually think he was holding a slingshot. Because he was surfing a big wave when he was saying, I carumba. I carumba. Yeah. That was that was the Simpsons shirt I wanted. That was the one that like Dan Bernstein had that I couldn't. I just like, I just had the Don't Have a Cow one. Did and you, it felt a little inferior. Did you have an Apex jacket and not a starter jacket? Dude, I had a starter jacket. Okay. Sorry. Come on. But sorry. I had an Emmett Smith jersey that was Apex. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Right. So like I was sort of all over the map in that way. Got it. Yes. Bart Simpson wasn't really known for his surfing. <laughs> Not really. He so, was known for his mischief. He's only made a few shirts. So to think that they would be like, this iconic Bart Simpson moment will be put on one of the four shirts we'll make. You know, the one where he surfs? The big wave? <laughs> Why was he surfing that big wave? You uh, had that one? You had the surfing? I, I don't remember. think I had any Bart Simpson t-shirts. I had Coed Naked t-shirts. Oh, yeah, dude. I wasn't don't raised big in a household that even having a Big Johnson shirt... A, it probably wouldn't be understood. B, if it was understood, would not be respected. Frowned upon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there were boners in the Big Johnson t-shirts. Did all the dudes have boners in those shirts? I would assume it was, so. The whole thing was innuendo. Exactly. Right. Big Johnson. Right. Yeah. A lot of Whereas the co-ed naked shirts, they seemed a little bit more dignified, as if it was like an Abercrombie bag. Exactly. Where it's like, sure, maybe they're wearing a little too much clothes, but it's black and white and everything seems fine. Yes. And co-ed naked like a... just said naked. It just, inf- it just implied... We're having a co-ed naked party. Exactly. It was just a t-shirt. Wasn't there always like a cheesy tagline if it was like co-ed naked lacrosse, like for a roll in the grass? Yeah. Wasn't there always like a tagline that like related to the sport that was like Shirts a sexual were innuendo? so horny. <laughs> T-shirts in the, 90s in the 90s were 90s. horny as hell, dude. There were some <laughs> horny shirts going round. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true, man. Yeah. Those Big Johnson and Coed Naked shirts might not fly these days. It's like it's too cheesy and like too horny. Hard to say. <laughs> so... I, I hope that teenagers just have some sort of fashion sense. Yeah. And not uh, just a boner on their t-shirt. I'm sure what the novelty tees are now for the teens. We talked about uh, cologne. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, baby. If you were 13 and going to quinceañeras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then six, uh, yes, right. Yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to a lot of quinceañeras at the time. Go figure. <laughs> Sweet 16s. You needed to drape yourself in a scent. I feel like it was like your number one. I feel like it was your number it one It was more tool. important than your personality. Without a doubt. You could be the biggest loser in the world, but if you had the fresh scent, people would be like, yo, that loser smells good. That's, you are, you're joking, but you're not joking. Like, and, I feel like that's true. Yes. And each scent kind of represented a type of person yeah yes so let's just toss out a couple colognes that we remember and try and determine what type of person would be wearing that scent yep you mentioned this one first red white and blue polo sport blue bottle chrome top came off and it was kind of like a smooth pull off off the top there was nothing grating or metal about it didn't have to twist it it was like a the whole experience was quality top to bottom yep you meet the scent yep 
your feelings? Um, I, oh, the coolest kids in my school were polo sport. Like the Agreed. kids on the soccer team, like the bet the kids who were best at soccer. Yeah, Joey Guastella and like whoever, like they were wearing the polo sport and they like rocked it. And like I was attracted to them as a result. I hear you. <laughs> I wore polo sport and I never had. In that time in my life, that was the most confident I ever felt about myself. It's like, if you're looking for a good way to combat puberty and your nose moving to your forehead overnight, spritz yourself with polo sport. A spritz will give you all the confidence you need to okay. sustain seventh grade. If you're on the line of making the soccer team or not, and you could tell that coach in tryouts is saying, he might not make the team this year. Give yourself a spritz of polo sport. Give a spritz. You're the starting half. All of a sudden, you're yeah, you're scoring three goals a game. That's different than polo. That polo, was a different cologne, different scent. Polo was a big red squared, na- forest green, gold horse uh, in the middle. That's the logo. But that had a different connotation, at least in Long Island. Tell me. That was more like the... I didn't have the extra $10 to get the polo sport. Oh, it was like JV. And polo now sport. I smell like my weird uncle. Got it. Musk. Yep, yep, yep. It was like adult. That's the weird thing about sense is that like, I want to get back to the list, obviously. Sure. But like, it's just the weird thing about sense. There are these all, you know, I think that we've touched on this. Smell is the sense most closest to like memory and like yes. emotionality. And yes. there are all these unconscious and really real associations that people make with with scent. Right. So like you're, we're half joking. Like if you need confidence, like spritz some polo sport. But like that is actually true yes <laughs> like i'm that, not joking yeah that is this true. is no joke <laughs> yeah. exactly in the name and in actuality yes looking for a dose of confidence yes give yourself a spritz of polo sport yes then there was dracar noir i'm not so black familiar with bottle that. um you're probably not familiar with it because you didn't grow up in long island where something called dracar noir <laughs> would be a black a black like a like a matte black like almost like if you watched the godfather and have a scarface poster in your bathroom your dad's name is Vinny, and there's two camaros in the driveway you wore dracar noir okay i.e there was a time in my life where i wore ah. dracar noir you didn't have a scarface poster in your room did you billy no okay no, okay no, not no. literally i don't even really like the movie scarface. yeah yes me neither confession go yeah yeah there you yeah go. um and but it was I... like for the italian for the people that would be down yes. at epcot if you know what i mean yes yeah the yeah the growing up gaudy yes if, if you're from long island you know dracar noir yes Dracar Noir. The last big one, at least from this era, of when I was shopping, frankly, we would go to the mall reluctantly because we knew we needed new smells. That's why Because we needed that confidence. You need that. CK1. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Do you remember? That was kind of my last go-round with Cologne. That seemed pretty top shelf to me. I, that was always seemed a little bit out of my league, right. to be honest with you. Just like polo sport, like I never deigned to think I was on a polo sport or CK one level. Got it. Um, but CK, what was the scent there? Was that also a little more mature, or was it sort of party guy like the polo sport vibe? It had? reminded me personally of um, perfume, mm-hmm. Aunt Linda's perfume. Aunt Li- it seems like an Aunt so Linda kind of scent. The Commer- the consumerism made me tell- told this 14-year-old, you need this bottle <laughs> yes. on top of your dresser. Yeah. <laughs> so you wake up and you see it and it gives you confidence every day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you would put it next to Polo Sport on, your, on the top of your dresser and you'd wake up and you'd see your collection of bottles. <laughs> and as a 14-year-old, you'd be like, I'm doing well in my life. It's like the preface to the college dorm kids who would like put all the beer bottles that they yes. drank like up on the shelf. Exactly. It was like that four years previous was cologne. Did you wear a cologne? 
I did wear cologne. Uh, I wore. I had a, a unique. For the people at home, Adam just put on his shame face. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a bit of a sh- bit of a shame story coming up, uh, which is not not even shame, but I wasn't like cool guy. Go with my buds. Roll to the mall. Get some scent. Never once happened. <laughs> Thank you for including the word cool in there because, I mean, cool. debatable. In air quotes. Cool is in air quotes. <laughs> right. Um, I, to my, get some sense. Sorry, go exactly. on. My relationship with Cologne was that my nana, Esther, may she rest in peace, would oh. always, every Hanukkah, yes. buy me a gratuitously large bottle of Estee Lauder <gasps> Pleasures for Men. Oh, Hi. <laughs> so your grandma would pleasure you every holiday season. Every holiday season. And the thing was, she would buy <laughs> the bottles of Estee Lauder's Pleasures for Men. Let me ask, get. bigger than a peanut butter jar? Huge dog. Just like bigger. <laughs> Just like biggest possible size, like it, what it, it, like just You'd have the, the to hold size it with of, two hands. It like made, it was it was a fire hazard. Like it could have started a serious blaze. A small hydrant, yeah, exactly. It was like a, a fifth of vodka, basically. Oh. So she would get me that every, every year. Every year, every year. So I, so I would start to like have them backlogged because she would get. The, I would. It would take me. It would take one almost an entire natural human life to go through one of these entire bottles, and she was getting me them year. After year, after year, after year. They're probably still at my mom's you house. You never, at one like one holiday season, uh, opened up another Estee Lauder. And you said, hey, Graham, uh, <laughs> I've got like nine or ten of these now. Like, I'm good. She loved getting them for me. I couldn't deprive her of that joy of like gifting me the one thing that she knew I liked. So let's try and identify why that thing. <laughs> Do you think that she shopped on television? What, what, what was the ease of that item where every year... She knew she could get you that. I got to literally you, buy you that. I, I got to tell you, Bill. I I think it, it it sort of directly relates to the thing that you're saying. My nana was very very savvy, super smart, okay, incredibly with it. And I think that she kind of intuited this thing that we're talking about. Like twelve year olds need this for confidence. Well, right. <laughs> I think that she. I think that she had a sense that like now is the time. Now is the age where you have cologne for the girls. Got it. Okay. So I think that she was like sort of intuiting that a little bit and wanted to like contribute to my puberty. <laughs> this is so funny. Because one year I asked my grandma asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I said I wanted a Brooklyn Dodgers hat. And that Christmas, I opened up a hat-shaped box cool. to reveal a black hat, immediately the wrong color of the Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> and instead of the Brooklyn Dodgers logo, from left to right, ear to ear, from eye to forehead, just the word Brooklyn. <laughs> All caps, font size 78. Not the same thing, Grandma. Thanks a, for the consideration. It's a Brooklyn hat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not a Brooklyn baseball hat. Exactly. It's the one but, that you get on like 44th and 8th. But well-meaning, exactly. Yeah. And she went to Jamaica Avenue exactly. with her push cart, exactly. and she found a Brooklyn hat. So well-meaning. That's the thing. Yes. Sometimes Nanas miss the mark, but their intention is always pure as the driven snow. Oh, that's Nana. Please. I mean, that's how yeah. Nanas work. Please. We shouldn't overanalyze Nanas. Oh, of course. We should just yeah. try and find the best in everything they've ever done. I mean, and just... Just saying the word Estee Lauder, Estee Lauder, that means Nana. That's French for Nana, essentially. Stop it. <laughs> no, I'm teasing, but okay. it feels like Estee Lauder. Of course, my Nana would get me. My Nana do- isn't going to get me polo sport. Right. It's like she's seeing my puberty through her Nana prism. Right. So that means Estee Lauder. Right. For, which is for ladies, but pleasures for men. So that, she got me the men's cologne. That is and it was a killer scent, and it was a hit with the ladies and with the gents, and it made me feel confident, and it, it helped, and it really this is true, helped. truly. You wore it proudly, absolutely yes. That scent represented you, definitely represented me. It gave you pleasures, absolutely for men. Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was it pleasures for man. <laughs> pleasures for this one man. Wow. Yeah, it was good. So like that, so that was my, that was the entirety of my cologne experience. And do you, you don't wear cologne. I do not. No. But I mean, secrets out. I don't even use soap. What do you mean, Billy? What are you we've talking talk, We've talked about this yeah, before. But tell me again, though. I'm not a scent guy, period. I don't like words on my t-shirts. I don't like anything to represent me. If you want to meet me, it'll come out my mouth. Love this. Okay? I just love this. I don't want an ironic t-shirt that says like, who's crazy? This guy. Exactly. I'll tell you I'm crazy. You have your I'm own crazy. personality. Right. So I don't like draping myself in scents or putting products in my hair or anything like that. So I'm not going to spray myself with cologne anymore. Right. But for the, like the last 10 years, I haven't even used a bar of soap in the shower. And that has given me a lot of side eyes for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Because it makes me seem dirty, yeah. obviously. But I rinse off. Naturally. And I will use shampoo from time to time because I get that. Right. But now there's a movement, and maybe even Oprah said it, mm. that we don't need all of this soap being rubbed over us over and over and over again. It dries us out, and then we need the moisturizers to combat it. And then the moisturizers do this, so then we need this like Biore strip to get that out. And before you know it, we're in this endless cycle of just covering ourselves. Dehydrating we, and rehydrating and dehydrating and rehydrating. There is such a there's such ease with just getting into a shower, getting soaking wet, making sure you got the top coat off. Yep. Hitting the road. Yep. You don't even do you never even mess with a body wash on a loofah situation. You're never even No. Not with a ten foot pole. Amazing. No, no. You, of course we've talked about this, but it's always refreshing and invigorating for me to hear. Maybe I'll ditch the soap. I encourage you and everyone at home to give it two weeks. Yeah. If to only see how your skin reacts. It started with me. It wasn't it didn't start out of a place of like, I don't want sense to represent me. It actually started <laughs> from a place of, it started at like fourteen when like you start getting zits and stuff and you start asking yourself, Well, what am I doing? And in the shower I was using obscene amounts of soap on my body because I'd be like, I've got to get so clean <laughs> right now because mm -hmm. my face is out of control. Yes. And then I stopped using soap. Like I was just had to go the opposite direction and things started changing. Yep. And that's it. It's like yeah. taking sugar out of your coffee. Yep, yep. Once it's gone, you're fine. You don't miss it. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the zits and the puberty and the teenagedom because I feel like around the same time that Estee Lauder's Pleasures for Men was dominating my nasal life, the one thing that I was really shopping for, and this like very speaks to my 14-year-old zit face self, was like the right face wash. Yeah, was like getting the correct and proper face wash. You've always been a face wash guy. I've been a big face wash guy. And I don't know that it's doing me – I think it might – to your point about soap – and my girlfriend Maggie would definitely attest, I think it's doing me more harm than good because it drives me out. I it's would assume good. so. We've been very good friends for 12 years. We have. We've slept over one another's houses, childhood homes, you name it. We've so many slept times. there. So many times. You always, at the end of the night, go into the bathroom for a few minutes and come out and there's water everywhere <laughs> and you're clean as a whisk. Yeah. And I can only assume it's because you're aggressively washing your face. You nailed it. And just getting it all off. It's like this, it's the frightened 14-year-old um, acne panicked teen impulse yes. in me. And that is like, I'm 32 and I am apparently, there is a 13-year-old living inside me who is terrified of acne. Still, I get I think, it. Yeah. When I was 14, I would buy Neutrogena, yeah. the Neutrogena products, because I wanted a face like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, man. I, it was like, it got so, it was so funny how like when I was like that age, zits, 
zits would like consume my consciousness. Like I remember, I mean, maybe what else matters? Exactly, nothing else. And I just would remember so vividly. And I don't think I've ever actually articulated this out loud. But sitting in science class or sitting in history or English, like sixth or seventh grade, and just being fully mentally obsessed with my skin, how it related to other people's skin, how Jason Weinstein got his skin so clear. Yeah, just like. The levels of zit on all of my friends and enemies and myself and how that related and how that related. So that was like, I was like, I feel like I was obsessed with that. And part of me still, I think, is clinging on to that. So I get it. It's like people who were heavy kids who grew up to be perfectly healthy, in shape people still see themselves as, as little fat kids. Exactly. So I, I loathed going to the mall, like we were saying, with my mom to get jeans, but I would beg her to take me to the CVS to get face wash. Wow. It was like, that was the, that was the weird paradox. Like, that's what I cared about shopping for. That is so, if only CVS sold jeans. <laughs> exactly. Um, Let's segue into the second song. Let's do it. We almost talked about it before the act break. Yes. Um, Harvard Sailing Team, our nine-person sketch comedy group. Absolutely. We sing, we dance, we do sketch comedy. Yep. We're going to play a song for you that maybe you've heard before. If you haven't, it's called The World is the Best, and we'll talk about it after the song. Enjoy. It all begins with you. It begins with you and me. You and me and him. Him and her and them, that's us. I walk along the road, it's a tough and easy road. Faces in the sand, the sun, the wind, the dreams. Tickets to a show, helping Africa. If we all tear down one tree And we bring it to a field We could build a house Everybody's house Everybody's house If you were handicapped We could build some ramps A ramp to Africa China Europe Bangladesh Antarctica And Disney World
that was The World is the Best by our sketch comedy group, Harvard Sailing Team. That's uh, right. That was a song that we wrote that was like sort of a take on the uh, We Are the World, massive, vaguely inspirational, tackling an issue, like an issue song, a sure. globally inspirational song. But right. Yeah. But, but we, it, it goes off the it goes off the rails pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um because that, we're just generically saying the world is the best. We're not really. We're hoping that you're not paying too much attention <laughs> exactly. to the words. Exactly. And if you're not paying attention, say it's on Pandora and you're washing the dishes, you'd probably be inspired. You know? You'd probably donate somewhere. The chord progression is such that your heartstrings will be tugged. But if you listen. Nonsense. We're just saying innocuous words to try and get us to the end of Recycling. the Recycling. Right. Africa. Build a bridge to Africa. Yeah. Build ramps everywhere. Yeah. None of it makes too much sense. Right. I believe that there's also a music video that accompanies that that you can find on the Harvard Sailing Team YouTube page. Yes. Uh, that I believe we shot in Prospect Park. I have some pretty vivid memories about you and I dancing on a rock. Mm-hmm. We did <laughs> dance on a rock in that music <laughs> yeah, video. I think we did. That was the first time. That's funny. That was the first time Harvard Sailing Team um, went into a recording studio to record oh. a song. So we rented a recording studio. That's right. Chris played the guitar. We put down drums. And then we all sang all the songs. That's right. While we were in that recording studio, this was when Twitter was new, we found out that Ashton Kutcher had tweeted out Harvard Sailing Team's Boys Will Be Girls. That was then? And I remember feeling like a real collision of fun and success in that studio cool. where we were singing and doing this like flashy looking thing and shooting the video in the studio yeah, too. Yeah. And then we find out 3,000 miles away that that clown Ashton Kutcher likes us. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was great. Yes, that was definitely the step one of vi- viral. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that like, yeah. That's true. That was before that video really took off. Yes. Or that was in the beginning stages. I think that was like the, the flint that was sparked or something. The yeah. Ashton Kutcher tweet of all things. Right. <laughs> We're in a media landscape now where we can say the Ashton Kutcher tweet was really the thing that set us off. Isn't that wild? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. He was the first Twitter guy to a million, right? Wasn't that his sort of claim to fame? I won't be I won't be able to answer it, yeah. but I do think he was one of those yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah. 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 No. Totally. So it's the third act yep. of the No Joke podcast. Yes. Let's remind the listeners at home to go on iTunes. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you've already done that, encourage Five friends. Five to seven. Pick a topic. We've given you 10. Identify which topic is most appropriate for which friend. Send an email saying, hey, check them out. <laughs> Not them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Keep it casual. Check them out. Keep it casual. Yes. Yes. Um, we, would lo- we love the interactivity. We so value your feedback and your comments and your support and really do appreciate you listening, truly. You know, the only people who I personally – well, that's not fair. The people I hear the most from about our podcast yep. are my relatives. Yes. The same relatives who don't know how to review the podcast. When we say review, I'm just going to slowly explain this step by step for those with an iPhone. I think this is uh, imperative. Okay. You're going to look on your phone for an app that says podcasts. Mm -hmm. If it's not there, go into the app store and download an app called podcasts. Mm -hmm. From there, open it. Mm -hmm. On the bottom, there will be five options for you. Click search. Mm -hmm. Type in no joke in the search bar. Mm -hmm. Now's a good place for like a cup of tea or like a little bite of a scone. Yes. You're halfway there. You're at Everest. (laughs) Get acclimated to the altitude. Exactly. We do not need anyone's brains exploding. (laughs) When you're ready, we'll move on. Okay. Great. Thank you. So now no joke is up. You're going to click the icon with both of our faces in the image. I am yelling in Adam's ear. Yep. Something that I don't think we've ever done naturally in our lives. And I'm looking like, "Eh?" exactly. Yeah. From there, it will say five stars, Yep. leave a review, click leave a review, and write hyped. 
<laughs> we tried telling you last episode. <laughs> we haven't seen a hyped anywhere. And Uncle Tony. And look, Uncle Tony, we don't care about the cap, the caps lock configuration. It can be lowercase. It can be uppercase. Just let us know you're hyped. Don't need the exclamation <laughs> yeah. point. Rubber stamp. Hyped. hyped, please. And even if you're not my Uncle Tony, it gives you an option to change your name to a nickname. Make your name Uncle Tony. Yes. And write hyped. Yes. The podcast I, has very specific goals. Yes. I believe that my friend, uh, my hometown friend, Stephanie Pivar, just left a comment on our iTunes or a review, I believe. Okay. Um, so I just want to say thank you, Stephanie. And if Stephanie can do it, so can you, metaphorical Uncle Tony. Exactly. And if yeah. you do, we'll bring it up on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely bring it up. We're here for interactions. It's been a little slow. We want to get more interactive. Exactly. And if you have ideas, people at home, yeah. for ways that we can be even more pervasive in your timelines, yes. tell us by sending emails to nojokepod at gmail.com. We get them immediately. We always write back. Exactly. Okay. Um, we, we are crowdsourcing inspiration and themes for this podcast this week. Even though it's just Billy and I in the room here, literally, it's all of us doing this together. Yes. So thank you, Uncle Tony. Thank you, Uncle Tony. Definitely. Did Uncle Tony ever get you a nice gift? Speaking of shopping, was he a... Uh, was it's a good question. Yeah. You know what Uncle Tony would do? Yep. And this is very Italian. Mm-hmm. He would shake my hand and I'd have cash in it. Love when we were that done. move. And that was the Italian gift. Love that move. And it's... You know, it could be interpreted as like kind of like slick or underhanded. To me, that is so cool. It's so cool and still. Maybe it's a Long Island thing. Maybe it's an Italian-American thing. But sometimes you shake your cousins and uncles' hands and there's paper in there and you know what's coming. The thing is, is like the moment that I like to imagine is the moment of Uncle Tony prepping that. Like yes. before like getting out of his wallet, sort of like folding it properly, like getting into the palm of his hand in the right way. Yes. Like I'm going to go find Billy and do it. I'm going to expose my dad and I expose him out of respect. Great. I've seen him go away for a second for the tuck because he is giving some handshakes to a friend some the, friends of mine just that private money tuck yes. it's just like a, all italian american men must have had that experience and in point. that instance <laughs> the gift wrapping is our hands exactly yeah <laughs> so has my uncle tony ever given me a gift yes he's shaken my hand exactly yeah and what in you that age billy when you're getting that probably like a 50 dollar bill or maybe yeah. like 20 right. what are you spending that on you billy at that age nintendo games oh okay cool yes um Marble Madness. Marble uh, Madness? Are you not familiar? Well, Marble Madness, the board game? So, oh, that's interesting. So there was a 3D Nintendo game. Oh. But it wasn't 3D with the glasses. It was just kind of a mind tease cool. where you needed to roll a marble down a mountain. And you could control the marble. But it was there was kind of gravity involved. Kind of very hard to explain. But it was kind of the ultra nerd cool. Nintendo game. And cool. I remember saving up a lot of money for that that's pretty rad yeah how did you acquire the nintendo system itself was that something that you bought for yourself i mentioned this once before on the shelby episode Mm. i believe Mm. christmas one year we got a big tv and nintendo and like i said i was afraid mario couldn't jump over the big that's right that's right (laughs) tv was too big yeah but we were never a nintendo we were never a genesis family yep we were a nintendo family and i feel like there was line there was clear distinctions between what families if they had Genesis, other things that family would have. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. I We were so, a Genesis family, so I'd you be were. curious as to how you perceived us. Okay. So <laughs> I was a Nintendo family, yes. and I always associated kids with Genesis to have better snacks <laughs> oh! than kids with Nintendo. Oh! They were a little bit more modern. There was something a little bit more flashy. Yeah. Their, their games had eight bits. And I assumed that they had Rice Krispie treats and fruit by the foot. <laughs> Nintendo just has Rice Krispies and fruit by the half inch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get like Nilla wafers with Nintendo families. Yep. And Hydrox cookies, not Oreos. 
<laughs> Damn, you are slamming Nintendo right now. Like, in a I'm way, a like, not even a deadly like, With respect, I'm just saying I know my own. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, this is without judgment. I'm no literally my, just saying I know my own. I know what Nintendo kids had in the cupboard. Absolutely. I know what you mean, though. At the time, because Nintendo was the sort of industry standard and was like the only video game system, when right. Genesis came out, it did seem futuristic. Just the shape of it. It was Sonic. like flat. Sonic. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog was really good. Altered Beast was a alt, was a beast of a video game. Like the default Genesis games were sick. Exactly. It Toe was just, Jam and Earl. Which is why I assume that if their parents were cool enough to know that they should have Genesis, they also should know they should have Rice Krispie Treats and Fruit by the Fruit. Absolutely. And obviously Gushers. Of course, Gushers. Um, but then obviously, like as the sort of two brands, Sega and Nintendo, sort of commenced, yes. Nintendo far outpaced. I mean, I feel like after those initial cyst consoles like the genesis dare i say was the apex of sega sega mm. cd yeah i don't know where the sega brand went did that turn into i don't know i think it went away but like because they had like uh, some of their like subsequent like consoles after genesis were like were kind of crappy i think like mm. sega cd was weird and like 30 like sega 32 bit was weird right and then nintendo just kept plugging away and to me n64 then shushed genesis out of the way yeah i'm like at mario kart and john madden football for n64 that became the paradigm and genesis was see you later well this is the third act of the no joke podcast we're talking about shopping and we're talking about video games and i think that my next big purchase is going to be a virtual reality set whoa bill yeah cool like and a, an expensive one cool probably. dude tell me exactly what so playstation i believe and my ignorance will shine throughout this oh conversation, yeah mine's shining but playstation is about to release a virtual reality console cool maybe four hundred dollars maybe five hundred with all of the wands and things that you need and that sounds great yeah then there's oculus are you familiar with oculus oculus rift is a thing you put the thing on your head yes it looks a little crazy yep but now you're operating in a world in 360 degrees absolutely phenomenal have you used the cardboard um bent they turn into virtual reality sets with those little magnifying one lenses. time for two minutes in a weird parking lot of a comic book shop someone put it on me and i was blown away okay right so for those who don't know what we're talking about literally cardboard folded yep. in a certain way yep. looks like a little virtual reality set there's little lenses inside you put your phone mm -hmm. in there and now you are in a 360 degree world yep. of virtual reality yep there's something so exciting to me and always has been so exciting to me about yeah. virtual reality. Yeah, man. Some sort of real departure where you can make decisions has always excited me. And I'm probably not going to be an early adopter. Maybe let the first of everything come out. But that is something I can say I want to shop for. Dude, and it seems like that is that is now like the virtual reality that like back in the 90s right. that we thought maybe it was going to be where like you strap that into your face and all of a sudden you're right. in pants. like that seems like it's totally happening now yes aren't nfl teams employing uh virtual reality i, I asked this I, I it's a fact uh some of these nfl teams are training with virtual reality oculus rift type things to preserve their body to preserve their body, but also quarterbacks so they can see – so quarterbacks put them on and they can, like, virtually read coverages, right. see the defensive schemes. Like, I feel like VR has reached a level. You know how, like, things like well, the military and the NFL always get the shit before we do? Yes. It's like I feel like they – the NFL, it's for all instance. Been, yes. They have, like, the idealized version of this, and hopefully – And like, now it's our turn. Yeah. Hopefully. Us grubby consumers are going to get the – Well, think about how limitless it is. Yeah. Sometimes I'm watching my TV, which is a great flat-screen TV <laughs> mounted to the wall, okay. and everything's awesome. Shout out to walls. And it still feels like, 
antiquated. Yeah. Like yeah. we're still staring at this wall. We can just be experiencing things like going to the movies is even starting to feel like I went to a 4D movie, which what is that now? So there's air pistols built into your seat. So if there's a shootout air shooting past your head, Get if you're in here. a rain scene, it's raining on you. If you're in a helicopter and the same experience happens for every single chair, there's a grid above and underneath the chair and in the chair. So everyone is having a simultaneous experience. I saw Jurassic Park in 4d what? tickets cost 35 dollars. i believe there's only one of these theaters in california at least and it's Whoa. in the staples center um but that to me finally felt like a breakthrough in going to the movies it was a new way of really experiencing immersive movies. and it seems so obvious to yeah. me that immersive technology and not just watching a movie from what the camera is offering you and what the director is offering mm -hmm. you, but to have your own adventure while the story takes place feels that much more obvious oh my to me. God, dude. So it's just like a movie, but if you want But you direct. But you are directing your it's like a experience choose your adventure. within it. You could just kind of sit back, you can get real close. It feels obvious to me. God, that is gonna be cool, isn't it? Jesus, I want one. Right. <laughs> it just seems it, well now I want one. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right again. Uncle Tony, can you get me that? So yeah. I'm not shopping for it now. Yeah, but, but we, I'm keeping my pulse and I'm talking to all my science friends about when is it about to explode. Yes. Do you know do we know anyone? Do you have a friend who has an Oculus? No, but on my birthday party, we went to a place called an escape room where you are locked in a room right. for 60 minutes, a room covered in clues and ways of making the wall spin around yep. and unlocking all these things. Yep. And at one point, you had to put on an Oculus. So I experienced it for maybe five or 10 minutes, and I had to solve a problem in a virtual world. And that was, that was all I needed oh, to say that so this, could be, this could be forever. <laughs> the two seconds that I had that weird little cardboard and jankety cardboard thing on my face right. uh, in that parking lot that once was totally transcendent and amazing. I was like, oh, the future is here. Right. This is fully incredible. It is truly 360 degree immersive interactive right. virtual reality. That's it. Just like we had imagined back in Back to the Future Part 2. Right. It's like that's here now. So if Bed Bath & Beyond starts selling Oculus, maybe – They'll get us Does in. Does that fall under the beyond umbrella? Bed bath? Okay. I think that, Bed, I mean, that's virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> and that, beyond. That's the shopping we're interested yeah, exactly. in. Um, exactly. Adam. Yeah. Ten in the books. Ten in the books, man. This was a dynamite one. Done did it. Love talking shopping with you. Love talking shopping. Billy and Adam be shopping. Shopping girls. <laughs> um, all right, Ad. So well, fun, man. that's all we got. Another great one. All right. This okay, has bye. been the No Joke Podcast. I'm Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we'll talk to you next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.